Right now I want to ask you to turn to your Bibles um, to John chapter 3. Uh, if you're going to use a pew Bible like I am, it is on page uh, 888. Super easy, 888. And we'll, we'll be there in a little while. It's going to take us a while to get there, but, um, but we'll get there. If you didn't know, uh, Christmas is my favorite holiday. It is my favorite time of year. In fact, I had this lady, um, and I hope no one, I was thinking about how to describe her, and I, I feel like I can't do it in a way that doesn't sound offensive, and I don't mean it to. It's like the sweet, she was this sweet old church lady. I, I hope that doesn't offend anyone, but, but that was what she was. She was in her you know, mid-80s, um, and so she had this really deep, like, I've been in the South my whole life, uh, Southern voice, and she said to me, she said, I've never met a grown man who liked Christmas like a child. <laughs> and I said, I, is that an insult or is that a... It's true nonetheless. And so I, I rolled with it. It was wonderful. It was great. Um, and, it was, and it's true. And so I love, I love Christmas. And as we've been moving through Christmas, I, I sort of came to the conclusion that we use a lot of terms that might need defining for some people. So we're going to throw... Some terms up here. Or not. Let's try again. There we go. Is that me? Nope. Yep, that's me. Good. These are all Latin terms, and we, we throw them around a lot, and I just thought we should be clear about what they mean. The first word that we've been using a lot is advent, and advent is a Latin term that means arrival or coming, and so that describes the, the, the four Sundays that lead up to Christmas and the nativity, also Latin terms. Christmas is Christ's mass, which uh, for a long time, churches would have a worship service on uh, on, on Christmas Day itself. That would be why we call it Christ Mass or Christmas. And then Nativity is the Latin term to be born. So we are actually celebrating the Feast of the Nativity of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, which is the technical term for what we are doing, um, doing tomorrow, tomorrow morning when you get up and you attack the tree with all of the avarice of a 12-year-old. Um, that being said, uh, we often lump all these together in, in the term Christmas, and, and, and they're not. They should be sort of separated. But over the season of Advent, leading up to Christmas and the Nativity, we've been exploring these themes. The first theme we talked about was hope, uh, which we talked about how hope is, is driven by expectation. God is really doing something. God is going to do something. God has done something, and God will continue to act and to move. We talked about peace and how God has prepared us for peace by giving us the Prince of Peace and by, by granting us peace through his son Jesus. And last week, the Oaks interrupted everything um, and were awesome and wonderful. And I hope you enjoyed that. I, I had such a blast having them here. Um, and so last week was the week of joy. So we're going to talk about joy this morning um, and thinking about repentance. And then tonight, We'll talk about love, which is the last theme of the Advent season. So come on tonight. I won't be preaching on the same thing. We'll be talking about joy and singing some songs together and all of those wonderful things. So now this is an odd pairing, but this is a traditional pairing. Like I didn't make this up. This is traditionally what the church has talked about. They've talked about joy, but with the theme, the undercurrent theme of repentance. These things don't seem like they go together, do they? They seem very disjointed. My, 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 what I'm going to try to argue with you today, argue for you today, is that if you want the deepest sense of joy, then repentance is the first step. 
So with that in mind, I would like to ask you a question that should prepare you very well for tomorrow. And that is this. Have you thought lately about how terrible you are as a person? Merry Christmas. Welcome to church. Some, some person here has been drugged here by their grandma or their mom. <laughs> like, oh, I told you this is what these people are like. I've been thinking a lot about this. Um, not because I'm masochistic, but because I've, I've recently been confronted by, by how little I put God first in my life. And so I've been thinking a lot about how, how joy functions. How do, how, do we, how do we come to a place where, man... The world is new. Because the Bible talks about this. The Bible doesn't talk about just you being renewed. In fact, Paul says, if behold, so he uses that great word, like behold, or like the angels say, lo, right? Behold, if anyone is in Christ, there is new creation. Any of y'all ever been in love? Oh, this is a dark room. Even if, any of y'all been in love? Yeah, you walk out the door after you've held hands. You just like hold hands with that pretty girl. And you're like, oh, the sun and the cloud. Like everything's new, isn't it? There's a sense of joy and, 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 and renewal that's happened. Like the whole world has been shifted and changed because of something that has come into your life. God says, I am the source of all of that joy and more. And I want you to have that joy. And so my question, I've been thinking, I've been racking my brain, I've just been working through my own soul, my own life, my own thinking. thinking how do I get that joy? How do I get that excitement? How do I get that fire back? It starts with repentance. You know, we so often um, have a view of ourselves that is untrue. I, I know everyone here is willing to say uh, with, with, with glad and sincere hearts, I am not a perfect person, but I'm not a terrible person. I'm not a terrible person. The Bible disagrees. No, you are a terrible person. For all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God. I read this earlier this morning, Psalm 51. This is David speaking. David, man, David. Behold, I was born in iniquity and sinned, and my mother conceived me. Galatians has this, this discussion of how we are constantly in a state of, of, of war between our, our passions. Flesh is another way of talking about it. The, our desires. We constantly want more and more and more and more. And we tend to take that to the to, to extreme lengths which leads us into sin. While at the same time we feel guilty for thing, things. Have you ever done something or eaten something? <laughs> and you said, man, I wish I hadn't hadn't done that. This morning, that McDonald's was not worth the calories. I just know it wasn't. I came in, I mean, this thing, you know, it's not even that good, but I gotta eat it. Like you said, the flesh is opposed to the spirit. There are things that are inside us that we're like, man, I want that, I want that. But the spirit says no, and we feel guilty about it after we do it. John 3, 19, so this is looking at your Bibles. I gave it to you here, but I'd prefer you look at your Bibles. Jesus says this. This is the judgment this is, the, this is the description of the world. This is when God looks at the world, he looks at all of us, he looks at everything that's going on, he says, here it is, this is what I see. The light has come into the world, which should remind us of Jesus, right? The light that has come into the world. But, the light has come into the world, but people love darkness rather than light because their works or their deeds were evil. 
are evil. Tomorrow we celebrate the incarnation of Jesus. Incarnation. Say that three times fast. I'm just kidding. Don't do that. Incarnation. Yeah, I'm glad that you guys, if there's a few, you started right off the bat. Thank you. Incarnation is the tech. Peggy, pointing Peggy. I know who not to sit behind anymore. No, don't, don't even sit behind Kelly because if you speak out, she'll point you out. Um. Incarnation is the technical term that means God took on flesh and walked amongst us. And we've seen his light, light is of the only son coming from the Father, full of, full of grace and, and full, of, full of truth. Have you thought before how terrible we have to be that God would leave the glories of heaven to walk amongst us? And I'm not just talking about walk amongst us, but walk amongst us in pre-modern times. Like, This is before soap. Not technically, but you get the point. Like, how many of you have freaked out when the Wi-Fi was out? The Wi-Fi's not on, and you lose your mind. Thank you. Uh, This is an honest man. Well, I knew Dush would raise his hand, but appreciate Mitri. We freak out. The Wi-Fi's down. Why is the Wi-Fi down? Call Charter. They won't fix it for a week. We're, We're done. And you fall over and you die. And Jesus came into the world... 2,000 years ago, he comes in at this moment, this moment when it happens, it finally happens, in this moment of our deepest need, he comes in and he walks amongst us dirty inside and outside. How deep and desperate is our need for rescue if God has, God has to come and do it himself? It's a ponderous thought. It's a heavy, heavy burden to think about this. And, and all of us here today, whether you're sort of a dyed-in-the-wool Christian, you've been here for 85 years, and we could call you an old church lady or an old church man, or if you're here for the first time, all of us this week probably knew that Jesus came. You might not know all the details, but you know Jesus came, he was born, and he died for your sins so that you might, you might follow God in a new way. And I bet every single one of us in our black little hearts this week said to ourselves, I know the good I ought to do, but I'd rather do something else. We've rejected God. Over and over and over again, we've rejected God. He bore the light of life in physical form, and we rejected God, which tells us one thing. We deserve punishment. We deserve punishment. I am guilty of all of this. All of the things that I've done, I'm guilty. I did them. I thought them. I said them. I acted on them. I am guilty of them. And therefore, I do not belong in the presence of God. And so the Bible, in this wonderful book called Revelation, opens our eyes, uh, unveils. That's actually what the word revelation means. It means to sort of remove a veil so that you can kind of see we, we didn't really understand the depth of what God was going to do when everything was going to come to its kind of climactic conclusion. And Revelation removes it so we can see, unveils it. And when it unmasks it, it gives us these words. The devil, who has deceived the world, who has gone about telling you, no, you're not that bad. No, it's, it's, it's cool. Don't worry about it. You're a good person. Is thrown into the lake of fire, and sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet, these are powerful people and entities that, that partner with him 
the powers and principalities, the CEOs, the, the kings, the governors, all these great things, right? And they are tormented day and night, forever and ever. And another book was opened, what we call the book of life. And the dead, all of, the, all of humanity, we might say, is now judged based on what, what is written. And there is your name in the book of life. Have you repented and turned to Christ? Have you, have you sought him with your full life? And if not, their names were not, if their names were not found in the book of life, then they were partnered with Satan and cast into the lake of fire with him. Now, the Bible's a really interesting book um, because it doesn't really give us a lot of description about God. But if you can take in your mind and think about what God is like, like how glorious and how beautiful how wonderful, how resplendent. God is so great that when the Bible describes God, and I've talked about this before, it says he is like the likeness of. So if you saw an animal and you don't know what the animal is, and, and I say, well, and you're trying to describe it to me, I'm like, well, I, I don't know what kind of animal you're talking about. And you're like, well, it's kind of like a dog. That gives me an immediate idea. I know what a dog looks like and kind of begin to do something with this this animal that you've just described. But the Bible takes us another step back. It's like the likeness of a thing. That's That's how far beyond our concept, how far beyond our understanding, how great and glorious and resplendent and majestic and holy God is so much so the Bible can't even get us to like something about him. We, we have no idea what he's even like. He's like the likeness of. But it gives us these little, these little glimpses and glimmers, these little metaphors and words. And if that's true of God, the Bible does the same thing of hell. It does the same thing of hell. We have these, these images, a lake. We kind of know what a lake is like, but a lake that is full of fire and brimming with sulfuric fumes, noxious gases, so much so that it's torment to be near it. If that is the images that the Bible gives us, how much greater the reality thereof. Whoa. Take a breath, everybody. Take a breath. Merry Christmas. You might be sitting here thinking, I, I, uh, I hope this is over soon. This guy is clearly off his rocker. I want to prove to you that you, you already agree with me. That everything that I've said, you already believe. You just don't know it. And I'm going to do it with my favorite Christmas story. My favorite Christmas story, which does almost no mention whatsoever of Jesus. And it is a Christmas carol. Has anybody seen A Christmas Carol? Even that godforsaken Muppet version? Anybody? <laughs> yes? A Christmas Carol? You know who I'm talking about? I need, a, I need affirmation here. Yes? Good. Yes. Scrooge! Scrooge is so terrible that we say what? Well, he's a Scrooge. It's like, it's now in our language we know what a Scrooge is. A Scrooge is what? A terrible, wretched person. In fact, what's so interesting, this is, um, my in-laws are here, and they bought this for me many Christmases ago. Thank you. Using the gift. This is what the Christmas carol... Was that? Okay. I called you out because you called her out, right? Huh? Judgment. 
Oh, but he was a tight-fisted hand at the grindstone stone, that screw, just squeezing, retching, grasping, scraping, clutching, covetous old sinner, hard and sharp as flint, from which no steel had ever struck out generous fire, secret and self-contained and solitary as an oyster. The cold within him froze his old features. And it goes on to describe him. And the, the, the interesting thing about this whole story is this. You and I are in on the secret. We're in on the secret. Because we're watching this happen and we're like, yeah, that Scrooge is a Scrooge, right? But what does Scrooge think of himself? Yeah, I'm a businessman. I, I give people loans. You need money, you come and see me, and I give you a loan. I tell you the terms and conditions of this loan, and you sign, and you give it, and I hold you to the piece of paper that you signed and you agreed to. I pay my taxes, I don't bother anybody, and I don't ask anyone to bother me. I'm a good man. This is so interesting about this whole story. Is This whole story is about a man who is convinced he is not a covetous old sinner. He's convinced he's fine. In fact, he says to, at one point to Jacob Marley, the ghost who comes and visits him, he said, whoa. That's, that's Scrooge right there. I don't think I did that. Did I do that? Or did you just put that up? Did you just put it up? Good. Okay. He was over my, he shocked me, scared me. Oh, yeah, exactly. Um. And that threw me off completely. Good. So anyway, he's, he's, he's totally convinced that, that he's a fine person. And, and we're in on this, we're in on this, uh, this, this trick that he's, he's actually not. And the whole rest of the book, the whole rest of the movie, if you watch the movie, is about this. The ghost trying to convince him, you're not a good person. You're a terrible person. And you deserve all of the judgment that God is going to bring upon you. And even as Scrooge moves through this and he begins to see his life from new eyes, he's like, man, I, I did that. I, in the moment when he was young or in the moment when he was in that, he thought he was doing the right thing. But now he sees it from a new view. He's able to see it as a third party. And he, with us, is able to see, man, I'm, I'm awful through and through. In fact, there's this moment where he, where he comes to such a, an intense grip of, of what he has done and how terrible he is. He says, I can't change. I am what I am. Leave me alone. I understand. Fine. I'm terrible. I'm a sinner. I'm awful. Fine. Leave me alone. But the ghosts won't be done with him. Just like God is not done with you. And it isn't until he faces his death that something new begins to happen in him. And don't we, don't we find ourselves in that same spot? You know, we sing these Christmas carols Understand that the world has been uh, uh, busy and, and fairly good about secularizing completely the Christmas season. You could probably turn on a Christmas music channel and never hear about Jesus. But we sing, hark the herald angels sing. Hark, the angels who have come to deliver the message sing. Why are they singing? And why are we singing with them? Because God and sinners have been reconciled. So then joyful all the nations can proclaim. We can proclaim with great joy that God has come to rescue us. But we can only do so if we understand we need rescuing. If we don't see that we need rescuing, then what joy can be on the other side? And if you live in that, uh, you know, 
masochistic bubble of, oh, I'm such a terrible, awful, terrible sinner, blah, blah, blah. You, you never move beyond that. That's also terrible. It's also not what God wants. What God wants to do is to give you joy. Jesus came that you might have life and life to the full, but you have to understand that to come to that life, to experience that fire, to have the joy that Paul says, I've seen it and the world is new. In order to be and experience that new creation, it has to come with this repentance. And repentance can't be something that we do that's half-hearted. It can't be like, well, yeah, I know, you know. uh, No, it has to be at the foot of the cross I kneel. And we sing that song. I was sitting there hearing this song. Um, Sorry, I've got this cold. It's really killing me. Uh, um, We were singing that song, Give Me Jesus. And I was like, wow, I mean, you can have all this world but give me Jesus. You can have all this world. Are we really, are we really saying that? Are we really mean that? I'm willing to give God most of the world. I'm like willing to give like 90%, but like there's a 10% that I really dig. You can have all this world. So let's skip that. Let's go right to the text. Let's go back. Go back to John 3.16 because you, you, you know this verse, right? For God so loved the world. Y'all just did a great Linus moment right there, right? Charlie Brown, the whole movie is like, I just, I don't feel like I understand what's Christmas all about. Linus gets up and he says, Jesus is born, right? But why was Jesus born? Jesus was born because God has such an amazing and insane love for you and for me that he said, these people are hopeless, so I am coming to bring them hope. These people are peaceless, so I am coming to bring them peace. These people are missing Every ounce of joy and they're seeking for pleasures and all these base and meaningless and passing away things. So I am coming to give them joy. That's good news. And it begins here. God so loved you that he sent his only son into the world. (coughs) But verse 19 or 17 which follows this. It's important that all these verses hang together. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Jesus shows up. And what could Jesus have done? He could have come in and stomped forward and said, I am going to bring the judgment that all you deserve right here and right now. But Jesus didn't do that. He didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but rather to reveal to us the salvation that he is making possible. Whoever believes in him, what a high bar whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already. Why? Because your sins are on you. If you want to live according to your own way and you want to stand in the day of judgment and say, no, I am a good person, I'll prove it to you, God, good luck. But for others who say, no, man, I can't, I mean, I, I, I can't do that. There is now a way. There is now a way. Because he has brought light into the world. Verse 19, and this is the judgment. We read this. Light has come into the world, but people love their deeds 
I loved evil. I loved darkness more than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and doesn't come into the light, lest their wickedness is exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be seen clearly that his works have been done, carried out by God. Do you hear that good news? Scrooge is not going to get his redemption. He's not going to get his peace. He's not going to get his joy until he can lay it all down and say, no, I am guilty, I am guilty, I am guilty, and I need forgiveness. And it is in that moment that forgiveness comes. And it is in that moment that joy bubbles forth and life is born anew in this old, hopeless, isn't he hopeless? Everyone else has turned their back on this man. No one else, no one else is reaching into his life. He's, he's, he's been cut off from the world, and yet, and yet in the story anyway, the, the ghosts who are, I think, representing God are doing this. And the same is true with us. The same is true with us in the scriptures. I love this line that happens in, uh, in, in Romans 8, another familiar line possibly to you. To you. There's now n- no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because who could bring a charge against God's elect? God justifies. The judge says you're just, then you're just. Who can then condemn you? No, Jesus Christ is the one who has died, and more than that, who has been raised, and who is at the right hand of the the Father, who is now interceding for us. So who is going to separate us from the love of Christ? What could separate you from the love of God? Absolutely nothing. No one. No height, no depth, no power. No, nothing can separate you from God if you are placing yourself in Christ Jesus. And this, my friends, this is good news. And this is the fount of all joy. This is what can make tomorrow and this afternoon, today, this is what can make everything new in your life. If you cast off everything else and you cling to Jesus I love the angel comes first and foremost and he says, uh, fear not, which is always just such a, I think it's like the first comedy line in the gospel there, right? Fear not. Well, here's an angelic being. I think I'm going to be plenty afraid. Thank you very much. Right? This is just, fear not though because I'm bringing good news. I'm bringing you a message of great joy. I'm bringing you the hope that you have needed all along. I want to show a a clip. This is a clip from the, notice I said the, Christmas Carol, uh, from this version right here. It's the last little five minutes of it. And I think it illustrates very well for us what happens when we experience joy. And so I want to show that, uh, and then we'll we'll come to a conclusion. So go ahead, Brian. So there's several things I love about that clip. The first is you see now what happens when the internet does go down. <laughs> um, but I, I love two things about the, that, that final scene. The first is that moment where he comes into his nephew's house and he speaks to his nephew's wife, who he's sort of disowned, and he makes no bones about what he has been. He says, I have had no eyes to see and I have had no ears to hear. Can you forgive me? And I love that because it tells me something powerful about what the gospel does, what Jesus does. He doesn't just transform the relationship you have with him. That's a huge piece of it. 
He removes all the guilt and all the shame and all, all, the, all the things that have shackled and held us down. And he, he frees us to live a new kind of life. But that new life then impacts everyone around us to such an extent that somebody who, who you used to be at odds with should look at you the way that, 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 that Bob Cratch was like, I don't even know what to do with this guy. What is, who is this? Like that's what real repentance builds. That's what real repentance does it transforms us so that we are different than we were yesterday there's so many christians i am convinced who have lost that joy because we have lost that repentance because we wandered back and away from the ways of god and into the ways of sin and we need to refine that joy and we can only find that joy when we come to the foot of the cross. The second thing I love about that, that whole scene is that, that last bit, that very last bit where, where he's g- delivering this Christmas present, as it were, to Bob. And, and he goes, oh, I don't deserve to be so. He tries to find his sin again. You see that? I don't deserve to be so happy. But I can't help it. But I can't help it. The kind of joy that Jesus brings is the kind of joy that doesn't wash or expunge our knowledge of the things that we have done. We look back on our lives and say, wow, I really made a mess of that, didn't I? But man, God is good. The kind of joy that, that fills our lives that no matter what trial or tribulation, no matter what accusation or memory, no matter what comes against us, we don't have, we don't have to wallow back into those depths because the source of our joy is in Jesus. And the promise of our future is in God. And the life that we live is now empowered by his presence in us as the Holy Spirit dwells in us. And so one of the best lines, I think, to sort of wrap this all up is this great doxology that ends the letter of Jude. And I'll read this, but first I want to offer an invitation. We'll have our elders down front. If you need to find repentance... There is going to be an elder here who's ready to pray with you, not to spread news abroad, but to pray with you and to help you find that joy again. So please, if you have a need, come forward. If, you, if you're too embarrassed for that, find someone after. And, and whatever it is that you need to decide for Jesus today, make this the day when we walk out those doors that you look at the world around you, around you and it is new. Now to God, who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory and majesty and dominion and authority before all time, now and forevermore. Let us stand as we sing praise to our God.